Hello, this is Joseph P. Farrell with news and views from the Nefarium on Thursday, St. Patrick's Day, 2022. That's Thursday, March 17th. <clears throat> we have a lot to get through today. There is a very important article, and I'm sure that if you've been following the Ukraine and associated stories, you've been noticing a lot of very, very strange things. And I want to talk about one of those strange things today, but let's put it into some context. There's many levels to what is going on in the Ukraine. The history level, which of course goes to all the bad blood between Russia and the Ukraine. Uh, the Ukrainians have some pretty solid historical reasons for being distrustful of the Russians. After all, it was the Bolsheviks who collectivized agriculture, which hit the Ukraine very hard in the late 20s and 30s. Millions of people were starved. Other people were sent to labor camps and so on and so forth. It was a total disaster. And on the other side of the equation, you had uh, the Nazis with World War II recruiting Ukrainian units into the Waffen-SS and the Wehrmacht to go kill Russians. So there's a lot of historical bad blood between the two. Then at another level, we have all of the Western deals with the Ukraine. And I started tracking this way back about 10 to 12 years ago with the West seeking to open up the Ukraine to, to GMOs. And that was largely successful for a period the companies like Monster Santo and Bayer and so on are able to get special deals with the Ukraine using Black Sea ports that they were going to import their GMO seeds. And of course, on the other side of that argument, of course, we have Russia, which banned GMOs until further intergenerational testing could actually be done on them. So in other words, there's a lot of levels to this. Um, the most recent level, and it's, I think, part of the background of the wider context of what's going on here, was the recent strike against the NATO camp outside of Lvov, or Lemberg, if you prefer. There, I'm going to anger a lot of people by calling the city its old Austro-Hungarian German name. <laughs> okay. But anyway, you had the strike against the NATO training camp outside of, of Lvov. And there, folks, in spite of the loss of life, I think uh, we're looking at a clear message from Russia to the West, to NATO, and to the United States that any supply route of arms into the Ukraine can be and will be interdicted. Um, they've made that very clear and... In my opinion, I think that commentator on YouTube is correct who pointed out that NATO has backed off of its warmongering language rather dramatically after that strike. So there's a lot going on. But I want to talk about the wider picture because there have been financial developments, not the least of which have, has been Saudi Arabia not returning President Biden's calls. Now, folks... Uh, this is a newbie, and it's, I think, presaging a 
dramatically weakened American economic picture, namely the dollar and its status as reserve currency. I'm going to be referring to an article that appeared at Zero Hedge just yesterday. And I want to read a lot of this article. I want you to listen very carefully to it because the real clincher is coming toward the very end if you listen carefully. Um, and I want you to be aware of a distinction that emerges in this article between so-called inside money and so-called outside money. Inside money is all the paper, the securities, the bonds, the stocks, and so on. All the paper based on what? More paper, the dollar, the petrodollar. And outside money, which are actually commodities, silver, gold, platinum, you know, actual commodities. So here we go. One of the core staples of the past 40 years and an anchor propping up the dollar's reserve status was a global financial system based on the petrodollar. This is a world in which oil producers would sell their products to the United States and the rest of the world for dollars which they would then recycle the proceeds in dollar-denominated assets and while investing in dollar-denominated markets, explicitly prop up the United States dollar as the world's reserve currency and in the process backstop the standing of the United States as the world's undisputed financial superpower. These days are coming to an end. One day after report, we reported that the United Kingdom is asking the Saudis for more oil, even as Mohammed bin Salman invites Xi Jinping to Riyadh to strengthen ties, the Wall Street Journal is out with a blockbuster report noting that Saudi Arabia is in active talks with Beijing to, increase, to, parse, pardon me, to price some of its oil sales to China in yuan a move that would cripple not only the petrodollar's dominance of the global petroleum market, something which Zoltan Pozar predicted in his last note in the Wall Street Journal, but mark another shift by the world's crude exporter toward Asia, but also a move aimed squarely at the heart of the U.S. financial system, which has taken advantage of the dollar's reserve status by printing as much dollars as needed to fund government spending for the past decade. Skipping a couple paragraphs here, quote, Even as the Wall Street Journal admits, a shift to a Petro One system would be a profound shift for Saudi Arabia to price even some of its roughly 2.6 million barrels of, of day, of, per day of crude exports in anything other than dollars, as the majority of global sales, around 80%, are done in dollars, and the Saudis have traded oil exclusively in dollars since 1974 in a deal with the Nixon administration that included security guarantees for the kingdom. It appears that the Saudis no longer care much about U.S. security guarantees and instead are switching their allegiance to China. As a reminder, back in March of 2018, China introduced yuan-priced oil contracts as part of its efforts to make currency tradable across the world, but they haven't made a dent in the dollar's dominance of the oil market, largely because the United States dollar remained the currency of choice for oil exporters. But as Pozar noted recently, 
For China, the use of dollars has become a hazard highlighted by U.S. sanctions on Iran over its nuclear program and on Russia in response to the Ukrainian invasion. Now, let me stop right there. What sanctions are doing, in, in other words, are they are weaponizing the dollar. And as a result, as we, we use more and more sanctions against countries that exhibit behavior that we simply don't like or approve of, we're turning people away from the dollar. This is the bottom line. Now let me skip a couple more paragraphs here. Quote, it also comes as the U.S. economic relationship with the Saudis is diminishing. The United States is now among the top oil producers in the world, a stark reversal from the 1980s when it imported 2 million barrels of Saudi crude per day. But those numbers have fallen to less than 500,000 barrels per day in December of 2021. By contrast, China's oil imports have swelled over the last three decades in line with its expanding economy. Saudi Arabia was China's top crude producer in 2021, selling at 1.76 million barrels a day, followed by Russia at 1.6 million barrels per day, according to data from China's General Administration of Customs. Now, folks, let me stop again and point out, if, if the volume of oil trade between China and Saudi Arabia and between China and Russia is that high, then it stands to reason that they're going to want to make that trading as easy as possible and not involve the risk of doing it in dollars and incurring sanctions rather than trading in a currency that everyone accepts and that is not subject to Western risk pressure. That's the bottom line here. So in other words, like it or not, eventually you're going to see those sales being conducted in something else other than dollars. Now, there has been a development in this respect that is very significant, and that's the agreement between Russia and India for India to buy Russian oil and pay for it in Indian rupees. Okay, that has recently just been concluded. So in other words, it's a very small thing, but it's a, in my opinion, a symbolic act that the day of the petrodollar is coming to an end. Now, folks, this means a huge, huge sea change in the American domestic economy. If you think inflation is bad now, you ain't seen nothing yet. And a, a federal policy of not drilling in this country is only going to make that even worse, okay? So let me go back to the Zero Hedge article here. As the Wall Street Journal adds, the impact on the Soviet economy would likely depend on the quantity of oil sales involved and the price of oil. Some economists said moving away from dollar-denominated oil sales would diversify the kingdom's revenue base and could eventually lead it to repeg the real to a basket of currencies similar to Kuwait's dinar. If it is done now, at a time of strong oil prices, it would not be seen negatively. It would be seen, more seen as deepening chives with, with ties with China, said Monica Malik, chief economist at Abu Dhabi Commercial Bank. Still, the Saudis still plan to do most oil transactions 
in dollars. But the transition has begun, and the move could tempt other producers to price their Chinese exports in yuan as well. China's other big sources of oil are Russia, Angola, and Iraq. Now, listen to these final two paragraphs very carefully, because in my mind, this gives us a perfect rationale for why I think you're going to see a, an increasing reliance on media of exchange that are backed with commodities and that these media of exchange will ultimately have to be physical rather than digital because the digital currency, a cashless society, is a nightmare for, uh, for average people and for that matter for any consumer. It needs to be crystal clear and transparent. Here we go. While this is nothing new to Zero Hedge readers, the idea of a new global reserve currency was reintroduced last week by none other than former New York Fed staffer, New York Fed staffer Zoltan Pozar, who wrote in his latest must-read note that, quote, when this crisis and war, meaning the war in the Ukraine, is over, the U.S. dollar should be much weaker, and on the flip side, the renminbi much stronger, backed by a basket of commodities. From the Bretton Woods era backed by gold bullion to Bretton Woods II backed by inside money, treasuries with unhedgeable confiscation risks, to Bretton Woods III backed by outside money, gold bullion, and other commodities, unquote. And so the pieces of the endgame are falling into place. Russia, starving the Western world of much-needed resources, sending commodity prices even higher, while its parent partner in China quietly picks up the monetary pieces and takes advantage of the Western scramble to secure resources at all costs, and approach all those other non-Western former petrodollar clients who are also rich in other resources, to offer them a new product, the yuan, which Beijing is now actively and aggressively pushing to dethrone the dollar as a global reserve currency, unquote. So in other words, that's kind of an explanation even for those states within the United States that are passing all these resolutions recognizing bullion as, as legal tender and ending the sales tax on bullion. And we find this even in Russia. The central bank has put a halt to gold and silver sales because so many people are buying it. Uh, so in other words, there is a rush away from fiat and from currency that bears with it an inherent risk. And I submit to you, my friends, that a digital crypto or cashless currency has its own inherent risk. Now, it remains to be seen whether the yuan will be the new reserve currency. Frankly, I have, I have some suspicions and doubts because China is not trusted very much either. So the dollar appears to be the reserve currency of choice for the moment simply by virtue of default. But the United States is quickly squandering its reserves of trust, and this is the problem. So whoever steps up and acts in a trustworthy fashion and has a currency that could uh, 
replace the dollar may end up doing so. So we'll see. But the hard, the hard lesson here is that currency has to be backed by something. Sanctions are only doing one thing. They're, they're only acting as a tariff on Russia and allowing the Russians to build up their, their hard industry infrastructure all the more. So we're in a bit of a pickle. I tend to agree with this analyst that uh, we're watching the last days of the U.S. dollar as a reserve currency. As a result of that, the U.S. empire is going to defend that status by ever increasing, in my opinion, and again, I agree with that analyst, I forget what his name is on YouTube, that's saying much the same thing, that the U.S. empire is going to act in an, in an increasingly aggressive way in order to defend that status. In other words, if you think things are insane now, just wait. So, there we go, folks. Um, the wider economic and financial context to the Ukrainian war is not a pretty picture, but uh, it could be and could get, and I suspect will get, much, much worse. That's it. Don't forget, this week we don't have any vid chat. That will be next Friday. So take the day off uh, tomorrow, folks, and we'll see you on the flip side. Bye-bye, and God bless everybody.